from Los Angeles, California on the MTV Podcast Network. I'm Alex Papadimus. This is North Mollywood. Across the table from me. I didn't think of one when I came into this. And, uh, I got That's trapped. cool. That's fine. Who needs a joke? Keep it going. Keep it going. Molly Lambert. Everybody. Hey, everybody. I didn't think of a joke intro for me either. So just welcome. It's kind of an emergency show. I feel like we need to, there's things that we, we need to talk about that are pertinent. Put on a red alert. To our universe. This is, a, yeah. It just comes out. Uh, I just want you to know, this doesn't even really need to be a longer conversation, but I would like you to know that I was awakened by the presence of ants <gasps> in the bed. No. Yes. In the bed? In, where, where, literally where I sleep. What were they coming for? They were coming for, well, you know, they come inside for water, but they yeah. sort of, they're just, they're, like, there is a, yeah, like, they're... Did they find so, out your body is, like, 99% water? They were like, people are water <laughs> this whole time. They've been walking around in their water. But it was it was gnarly. It was terrifying. They were they were, I will I will say that they were crawling on my wife's mouth guard, oh, which is a phobia. God. Like was I don't her even mouth know. Guard in her mouth? No, okay, it was good. just like on the. It was not where it was, I guess it was supposed to be, but like yeah. it, you know, it would have been safer. But it was like on the it was on the nightstand, and it was teeming with ants, and I had to be like, uh, so good news. Uh. But this one of those times where you're like, I don't want to be the adult who has to deal with this now. I did not want to be the adult in this moment, but I, I, I did. I got down there with my the cleaners and, uh, you know, the, the ant traps, which I think they laugh at. They totally laugh at. I think they're like, oh, what is this? We're going to go in there. <laughs> they kick them aside. I'm just saying, I can feel the seasons change. And this is one of the ways that you know that the seasons are changing, is uh, the ants come in from the cold, they- looking to, you know, feast on your precious bodily fluids. <laughs> Speaking of precious bodily fluids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you watched a show that I did not watch, and I'm very excited for you to tell me about, which was the premiere of Rob and China, the spinoff of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Alex, you are a Kardashian completist, and so, of course, you had to watch Rob and China. Have you seen, like, a... Courtney and Chloe take Miami, all the various uh, one-offs. Yeah, I look at that as just part of the continuity. Yeah. That it would be irresponsible to ignore that. Just as, you know, if you were watching all of Baywatch, your your experience would get to Baywatch Nights, and you would have to have that. Be Baywatch Hawaii. Yeah, all of those. Th- I feel like there's none of this. None of the, These aren't separate universes. They all take place within the same thing. The Baywatch Hawaii of Keeping Up with the Kardashians is Robin China. Yes. It's weird, right? Okay, so here's the weird thing about it. You've not you've not seen it I yet. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I it, saw the promo. Right, who didn't? Yeah. If you're if you're a, a thinking person Are you person, still texting bitches? Is is in in the cultural aether. It's iconic. That's the episode title aether? by the way. Aeth, it, it's in both the aether and the it's everywhere. The ether? The cultural ether is what happens to you. Yeah. Uh no. Uh, it's everywhere. So there was a lot of that, and it really builds you up to that moment uh, that you've seen all the crazy stuff in the trailer. And that first thing you've seen her, you know, throw the bouquet of flowers. You've seen her be presented with the apology bouquet and throw it in the pool. And you're like, how did how did they get to this point? And so the episode sort of tells you how do you get to this point. Uh, it's very much a, a sort of a contemporary Kardashian show in that like you know everything already, and you're what you're being given is like context and shading. But it's not really like from a plot perspective even that important because it's just it all feels it all just feels kind of sad. It is produced by Chris Jenner and Seacrest and Kim and all of those people. Like the production credits are telling. 
and it looks superficially like a Kardashian show, but they have chosen uh, some some things aesthetically that make it feel very far from the flagship. Go on. Basically, the establishing shots. We've talked before. I don't know if it's on the show or if we just talked about it, about the establishing shots on the Kardashians. Right, like, where they show, this, like, Hollywood Boulevard, and then they cut to Calabasas. Yes, and those, so there's, like, those non-sequitur, like, just L.A., like, yeah. everything. It's, like, the Venice. Beach. Like, the beach. Like, all, like, places that it would take an hour and 45 yeah. minutes to, you know, get from. They're never not in Calabasas. No. <laughs> it's always, like, here's even, the, the, yeah. Even when they go somewhere else, they, like, bring Calabasas with them. Yes, and so uh, those establishing shots in uh, the, occur in this show, but for some reason they put them through that filter, like in your uh, MacBook photo booth, where it makes everything look like comic book, makes everything look like Zipatone. So they're like all blown out and weird looking, and then the fonts are basically Comic Sans when they're introduced on screen. There's like it's it's as if they wanted to make it clear that this is like the diffusion line. It's the down market product, you know. From the, the Kardashian empire. Which is, I feel like they sort of treat uh, China in the show as though she is somehow less than the Kardashians. Or at least I'm getting this from having watched this past season of Kardashians, where China is not on screen, but they talk about her a lot. Yeah, she comes um, up, she shows up at like peak moments. And like they're she- all very mean about her, which is weird because Kim used to be her best friend. Yeah, and Kim talks. Kim is in this. Like she, she's clearly going to be in this show. That connection is really interesting. Like, what? When did they stop being friends? Were they really friends? Who's they, they stopped. They were totally really friends. They stopped being friends. I thought because Kylie got with Tyga. Right. That was the falling out, which is why it's weird on the show. Is because you're like, well, it's not like China did something to them. They, their sister got with their friend's uh, boyfriend. So, you know, Team China, obviously. And and it is weird how they talk about China, how she's like, as though she's like, you know, not worthy of being in the Kardashian world because she is clearly, like, cooler than they are. Well, also, I mean, regardless of where you stand on her as, a, you know, her contributions to society or whatever, the idea that the Kardashians of all people are now going to pull up the ladder. That's what I'm saying. That's the part. Like, who, like we can, you know, we can discuss whether or not China is even a good person. But the idea that they are just like, no, this is like decla- this is not like what we associate with is yeah, rich. It's is very. Rich. It's hilarious. And it's like, I mean, I guess that's, that's the, you know, that's society, man. It's about, I you guess know. I really turned on Chloe a while back uh, because she used to be my favorite. She used to be everyone's favorite. And then she became the meanest. She was like the funny one. And now she's like just very mean. And she was the one who like would not drop it, would not. Because Kylie forgave China. I mean, not forgave, but, you know, Kylie was like, we need to all be a family. This is like who Rob is with now. She got in there. They Snapchatted together. She was the most mature one. And it was Courtney and Kim and Chloe who were kind of like, (laughs) we don't want to. Yeah, because she's bad for the brand. And there's some kind of, but also Chloe's the one who's the most protective of Rob, right? Because Chloe's the closest to Rob. But none of them seem to be very close to Rob, actually, at this point. 
She has Chloe has something. Chloe and Rob, there's something going on there. There's things that this is one of those things that you don't actually you don't get all of on the show because it, I think I believe that it involves Lamar and stuff that they are not sort of right. like specifics of that situation that they're not discussing. Well, it also seems like what they're really mad about is that China got Rob to be on the TV show, which is something none of them could accomplish. That they're like, if he's gonna be on the show, how dare he not like come back and be on our show? Yeah. How dare he create his own spinoff? Because, like, oh, if his girlfriend tells him he has to be on reality TV, he does it. But if we tell him he has to, he won't. Which is like, well, yeah, that's his girlfriend. She wants him to be on reality TV. He's going to do it. And also, he's always had a little bit of a contrarian streak. Well, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm on this show. I've, I'm a big Disick defender, obviously. I've come out. Boldly. Disick is one of those people who's like the best character on the show, but you know you would hate him in real life. <laughs> that if you spent five minutes with him in real life, you'd be like, "Get me out of here." Yeah, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I can handle it. He's in this too, like because he he's now he'll do anything. Yeah, he'll just he's just like I get to be in there, so it's like he'll be the he'll be the Jonathan Cheban of uh, Robin China. Like he's like yeah, just whatever. Like and there's a moment where cut he, to me for exposition. <laughs> yeah, no, cut to me exactly. Be like, so what's going on with that picnic? Like yeah. that kind of stuff. Like just that you. Hey, know. I heard you got her an apology bouquet. How did that go? <laughs> yes, you know, because that's how friends talk to each other is in expository questions but yeah there's a moment he's like somebody says something about you know well you know that guy will do anything for money and he's like me too because I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a shave on robin china i'm clearly not like busy with you know being with my lordship that's how he uh, is mourning his parents death by putting it all into the reality tv machine he's an orphan molly and all he has is the kardashians i know it's actually very sad but what i was gonna say is i find it very easy for some reason to marshal compassion uh for for disick and i have a tougher time getting there with with rob and the the thing that like you know when people are running down black china i'm always like well like i'm not like rob is kind of terrible too like it's I never I never know where which like of the people you know if you're gonna be on a team within that I feel bad for Rob because he was born into a nightmare life that he doesn't want and they should have like adopted him out to a regular family because what he has to do to like claim his place as a Kardashian doesn't seem like something he wants to do I mean he was sort of the moment I think of from the show that was when he like called his sister's horse, which I always thought was like sort of funny, but like in the context of the show, it was like, okay, we're supposed to be like, Rob's a dick. Like I thought he was kind of joking, but also, you know, I don't know how I would react if I were forced to be on TV and I didn't want to. And that was the only way I could win my family's love. Yeah, because I mean, that's I think, and you know, maybe that's also the attraction, like why he's sort of obsessed with his dad, other than that, like dudes who, you know, lose their fathers at an early age, like you would be obsessed anyway, to some extent, you'd always think of that person. But like, he's obsessed with the one Kardashian that like did something in the world besides being a Kardashian, right. you know, like he's obsessed with that. I like, you know, that Robert had a career as like a, you know, right. But then he has a career as a sock designer. Yeah, because he can never he can never live up to that. But like, but he doesn't have to do anything necessarily. No. And yeah, I mean, it'd be cool if you like you know i'm always like rooting for one of them to escape like i was rooting for kylie and obviously that did not go that way i was like maybe kylie will be the one who like goes to college and becomes a lawyer or something yeah there's that five didn't minute happen you had you had a little like you know uh, 25th hour montage in yeah. your head about kylie getting on a freight train to yeah, nowhere and just, just 
but no. Being like, Mm-mm, I don't want this. Like the Osborne kid who wouldn't be on the Osbournes. I was going to bring up the mysterious Os, the, yeah. the, the weird like Charlotte Bronte Osborne who like lived in well, the pool house. Well, I mean, house. talking about the Brontes a lot too, because I, I was comparing Rob to Branwell Bronte, the Bronte brother. Who there's like the famous portrait of the Bronte sisters that Branwell painted. It's like the only portrait of them, I think, and he painted over himself. So there's like the three Bronte sisters, and then there's like a figure that's been painted out, and that was Branwell, the brother. That's so weird because there's a moment in Rob and China when they pull out a, a sort of a, kind of a Sunday in the park kind of portrait of the four Kardashian sisters, and then uh, Black China twerks in front of it. <laughs> So it, it, it's all, all these things just repeat. It's all the same. All these patterns. It's Jane Eyre. In, in the culture. So I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to watch something and be like, does anybody want to do this? Does anybody like, I, I mean, I don't even, even China just sort of seems like, I have a feeling that China didn't know what she was getting into. It's only, but they've only had two months by the time they start filming this. And so maybe she didn't realize like what was going on because she seems over it too. But there, there's like, everyone is, everyone seems to be out on it. You're like, Chris Jenner seems like she's doing this just to, you know. Do you think she's trying to sabotage the relationship? Well, that was yeah, that show? was that was where I got to. It was like it started out like okay, they must be doing this themselves so that they they don't go and do it with another network or something. Either that or like Rob has like signed documents like in, you know sort of tying him to E for life. Probably, or well, you know, because they don't want them to like go on Love and Hip Hop or something. Right. So he probably they probably could not go and do this on another network if they wanted to. But it's like it, so it's like okay, they are they doing it because they just they're like. Like, we're not happy with this, but at least we can monetize it, which seems to be a very Chris Jenner thought process. Right. But the idea that maybe, like, the, they have figured out, if we don't want this to work out, the way to guarantee that it's not going to work out is to make these people be on a TV show about their love, because when has that ever been good news for a relationship? That's true. And also, it's never worked out for the Kardashian empire. No. So what if they're actually, like, we can leverage that? I think they might be, which is very evil. But not unexpected from, but you know, you could see on the, on the mothership show, you could see that when they got together, they were upset. And then when they found out China was pregnant, they were like, oh, we're screwed. Cause now we can't like undo this. Now these people are tied together for life through a baby and we have to like deal with it. We can't just protect, keep pretending that they don't exist, which is what they had been doing was pretending that it wasn't happening because they didn't want it to be. It's just it's just so perfect and so Shakespearean that it's like it is. they get to the end of their 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 climb through the you know up the, up the ladder of pop culture and they endure all this like ridicule to get there and people like and then now it's like they're actually like whatever wherever they came from they're just in the you know they're just breathing that air now like in the, they're real celebrities you can't say that they're fake celebrities anymore Which by any means so you would think they would respect China more because she had farther to go. Like the Kardashians had name recognition from Robert Kardashian and they were rich so they could afford to promote themselves into fame. And the way they chose to do that was a sex tape for Kim, which people thought was like a day class A thing for rich people to do. Uh, But Paris Hilton had made it the norm. Uh, But China is just famous because she promoted herself without all those resources, which is much more impressive. She came up through hard work and a friendship with Amber Rose. And she and Amber Rose were clearly like, well, that's also probably 
yeah, the weird the, part. That'd is, be, that's that's got to be the third rail. That's the third rail. Is that Amber Rose is part of the? It's probably also that she Kim doesn't want to be friends with China anymore because China is friends with Amber Rose, and Amber Rose is her husband's ex that he's obsessed with and won't stop talking about. But then you see them all being friends, just yeah. showing up to things. But it was weird at the at Chloe's birthday party. There was not. There was definitely Kanye and China in the same room, and they were sort of like Kanye was like, "Oh, I'm really interested in what's going on over here in this side of the room." <laughs> like there was a lot of like pointed, like whatever the opposite of eye contact. I like is. that though. That like no matter how much money you have, you can't buy your way out of like an awkward party at Dave and Buster's. That's why there's no more parties in L.A. <laughs> this is they're too awkward. They're too awkward. It's too much risk. Too many. People people have too much time has passed as they say in zodiac i i look i feel that way i feel that way about parties in la <laughs> i felt I, I felt that song kanye well you look at them and you're just like all you see that party and you're like so much history is involved now and everybody's just trying to make nice around the the, the papa shot yeah it's not it's so they re- they revealed the sex of the baby. They did reveal the sex of the baby. Spoilers if you don't want to know the sex of the baby uh, from until you watch the episode. But they do reveal that uh, they're having a girl, which Chris must be just like rubbing her hands together, like yeah. ooh another <laughs> a girl Kardashian that I can you know do my little put like a little maleficent spell on you know to guarantee fortune in the future oh absolutely absolutely no it's the only place it's like because obviously rob wants a boy and rob is the only one who feels that way because uh, you know because well, sometimes rob complains about how he's like surrounded by women and it's oppressive to him and nobody cares everyone's like yeah yeah suck it up yeah i mean they had to sort they, they had to bring in disick because he has no he has no bros like there's right. no there's no there seem to be no bros I'm who want he has no bros though i would think he would have just like I mean, some, some Calabasas boys. He's he's like a legit. He's like a depressed person who stays yeah. in the house. Like that's really you don't. I don't think you make a lot of tight bros there. And like that's that. Like that's the weird part is that you know it's got to be bittersweet for them that they wanted him to come out of his sort of Brian Wilson exile. You know, in the in sort of the he's literally he's like I stayed in my room for three years and you kind of believe that. And but then this is how it happens. Like this is the circumstances under which he will. I did once see him in real life. It was on my birthday, so I was very happy because it was perfect. He was at a sushi place with Disick, and I was like, "They're friends in real life." Oh my god, it's not just for the show. And I got, I I was like, you know what? That maybe you're right. Maybe Scott Disick is the best person on the show because I was like, Scott Disick cares. He cares enough to like go out to dinner with Rob. They don't have to. They're not filming right now. I think that these that these guys must be to some extent getting each other through this experience, and that Disick maybe is like, of course, he's probably reaching out because he's also he's struggling with the same thing. It's like it's like having been. I think I've used this exp- thing before, but it's like when you see like the, the like the astronauts' wives in Apollo thirteen, like the, they are this one these group of people who like have, by virtue just of who they're with like have experienced something that no one else has experienced. Like no one knows what it's like to have, you know, sort of like somebody, you know, you love be up in space except for these like eight people. And so they have to have things in common. I feel like that's the same kind of having been like a man in the Kardashian orbit. Like, who are you? And like, you know, that you must need a lot of like support. You know, I would like to see that. It's very sad. They're both such sad people because you're like, oh, they have so much money, but like it can't, make them happy in any way there's like nothing that could make them happy except 
maybe like bringing back dead parents, which is kind of pretty sad. Yeah, no, you know, Scott has driven all the, you can drive all the Ferraris. He's like Batman, really. Like you he can't. He is like Batman. Whatever you do with your money, Scott could, short of going out there and being the Lord and beating up muggers, like which we know from Batman doesn't actually make Batman very Also, happy. he was kind of mean to his parents when they were alive. <laughs> that is true. But then that is true. After I do remember it, that being. But, you know, I was also like, oh, this is so weird that his parents died and they're like addressing it on the show because they have to, because his parents were characters. And that is what makes it sort of like, oh, you're like, this is a real family in addition to being a TV family. Yeah, it's a real, the show is about a real family with a outlandishly fake job. And that's always been the best thing about it. Anyway, I am a Kardashian completist. I will be watching Robin China to the bitter end, six seasons in a movie, whatever it takes. It's not the, not the pure bubbly satisfaction that you get from, from the mainline show because there's, there's a lot of there's more angst present and uh, stranger fonts but i'm there i'm there i can't deny that i'm there i can't act like i'm too cool to be there if i'm not if i'm there Killing Ants on Sunday. What did you do? I went to see ELO at the Hollywood Bowl with win. all of Los Angeles. It really was all of Los Angeles. It's everyone who's everyone, I think, was on their way to the ELO show. Well, I kept seeing who was there from like Instagram. And I, I knew the show was coming up, but I had sort of forgotten about it. And so a couple days ago when I saw people were going, I was like, oh, how many nights are they playing? Three great i'm gonna buy tickets for the last night well i was like let's see how much the tickets are if they're a billion dollars maybe not but they were like 15 dollars for the cheap seats so i was like i have to go it would be just a total mistake not to go and uh luckily friend of the podcast tess lynch was down to go so we went together we are both big elo fans so it was fantastic and then i yeah i saw from instagram that lots of people were there including uh the two porn stars that I saw win best individual performances at the AVN awards a couple of years ago. And they were the first married couple to ever both win the best male and best female performer awards. Uh, Mick blue and Annika Albright, who I believe are both German. She's German, I think, or maybe he's German for the same movie or for different movies for different. It wasn't for movies. It was like best, best actress overall. Maybe it was for movies. I think it was just best performer, but it was the, it was, I was told like, this is a landmark moment because this has never happened before that the people who win the best performer awards are married to each other. So it's kind of, is it, is it kind of, it's like the SAG awards or something where you just, you're rewarded for your general work that yeah, year. Just like you had, you had a good year. Right. They, Cause I guess it's like, how do you single out what, which of your 19 films that you made this, <laughs> like this year? Like a billion yeah, films. Right. More than 19, <laughs> but they were in a box. It seemed like they, they seemed to have a great time and yeah, just everybody was there and there were fireworks and a lot of good projections, a lot of like space projections. And the crowd was just all over the place uh, in a great way. It was very, I was like, who are ELO fans? And it, it's just everybody is an ELO fan. Yeah, I feel like what I, I, I used to, you know, when I started listening to ELO 
I was like, I felt like it was just me and John Bryan, you know, like I, I obviously that was not the case even then. But, but I you felt, felt like that way. I felt a sense of discovery like I had sort of that I was listening to ELO and not, uh, you know, whatever it was like Electro Clash For or sure. something like that at, the, at that moment. It felt. Re- but now it feels like just in the way that it's no longer as much of an outlying opinion to be into Steely Dan that now when Steely Dan well, plays the bowl, like who's going to take credit for that? It's me. You can take credit for that. I'll give you credit for that, for the Danissance. But, you know, the Dan the Dan crowd was a little more of, like, what you would think, like, people who seem like they would be in Steely Dan in the crowd. <laughs> uh, and this crowd for ELO was, like, there were more young people. It was a very diverse crowd. And, you know, my boyfriend was saying, oh, well, you know, ELO records are always in the dollar bin everywhere. So it is, like, something that everyone who gets into records discovers via looking through dollar bins you're like oh cool i could have all the ELO records from anywhere uh and they're such good records right that's how you get to yes as well if you're if you're me there were a lot of like i saw i didn't realize how how prog affiliated ELO was but i saw a lot of like rush shirts yeah i bet they're probably they're like the pop group that if you're into prog you'll be like and i like them because of the orchestral arrangements right like i remember a time when people were like He's the Wilbury who doesn't belong, you know, that he was like as he was like the the black China of the Kardashian Wilburys or everybody was like, <laughs> does he belong with like, you know, Bob Dylan and Tom Petty and Roy Orbison? Those are all recognizable names. Um, but the answer is yes, of course he does. And they all respected him a lot because he can shred till he's dead yeah and he made he made full moon fever with tom so clearly tom was down yeah who was it was he left no bob was lefty wilbury i used to know all the wilbury names Do they have names they had wilbury handles yeah but they did it was i, I believe bob was lefty because of course i don't know but they all had like yeah like you know snake but there was a whole wilbury mythology that i got really into somehow i, I missed that <laughs> yeah such a busy life such a busy life memorizing all the traveling Wilbury nicknames. I'll tell you, hold on. It's, it's going to be worth it when I sort of break down. The, here we go. Uh, George Harrison was Nelson Wilbury. Hmm. Jeff Lynn was Otis. Roy <laughs> Orbison was actually Lefty Wilbury. Hmm. Tom Petty was Charlie T. Wilbury Jr. And Bob Dylan was Lucky Wilbury, which oh, is also a very Dylan-esque is, Wilbury name. He's Lucky Wilbury. What would your Wilbury name be, Molly? Oh, and then we man. Can go. Uh, let's go with Bunny Wilbury. There we go. What about you? Uh, uh, probably uh, Maxwell Wilbury. Maxwell. The guy who's like just in the, he's talking about how much money the Wilburys are spending. <laughs> the like agent of the Wilburys. <laughs> <laughs> You've got, look at these books. It's, yeah, I don't know uh, why. Just like, like the like, manager in Purple Rain a little bit? Yes. Like, what's, who's the guy, the, uh, who's the, the guy who manages the Partridge family is who I was actually oh, thinking yeah, of. Yeah, that guy. That's uh, Re- Reuben Kincaid or whatever. That is exactly who it, you I pre- am, had to pretend like you didn't know. It was Reuben Kincaid. For it one took second. me a second. I was. I knew I was going to. But yeah, I'm. I'm the guy You're who's Reuben like Reuben Kincaid. Will this, this bus? Do you know what this is costing us? This tour is insane. <laughs> like you just. You can't just travel. We spent all of our money on harmonica holders that go <laughs> on your neck. That that device, by the way, has a name. It's called the Harmonicaddy. I looked it up what? one time. I looked it up. Oh, it's I'm a obsessed thing. With those. It's a thing. It's like Bob Dylan walks in a store. He's like, "Give me one of them harmonica." Oh, I want one of those. What about one of those for a phone? Worst I, idea. I want that as a selfie stick. Yeah. Just, like that's, but yeah, that's, that's where we're putting it. All right. Anyway. Well, 
Thanks for listening to the Traveling Wilburys Hour <laughs> with the Molly Lambert and Alex Papadimus. This has been Molly Lambert's Theme Time Radio Hour. The theme is trains. The King Biscuit <laughs> Hour. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on North Mollywood. And now a bonus outtake from last week's episode that we couldn't leave on the cutting room floor because it was too good. Andrew T. talking about his encounter with America's favorite Ghostbuster. And we'll leave you to guess who that is while you listen to the story. I'm obsessed with all the things that get spilled on the floor of this podcast that we don't get into the the, the mix, and so like let's that we're gonna we're gonna remedy that right Mollywood now. After Dark is coming Ayo. coming to Mollywood Day. This right is now. like this is like Mollywood gossip sort of. Uh, so this is like five years ago. I had just moved to Los Angeles, and I was doing my favorite thing which is texting while driving. <laughs> it's the best. Um, so I was texting. I was in traffic. And I tap, just a little tap, on the car right in front of me. Uh, because I was, I'd, all day I'd been making up really disgusting rap lyrics and sending them to my friends. So I was texting them at one, my, probably my best one ever, uh, which is about how big my dick was. It was so dumb. Um, and I tapped the car in front of me and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is so bad. This is so thoroughly my fault. And then I was like, oh, no, that car is really expensive. Like, really nice car. And then I, uh, you know, they signal to pull over and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm so fucked. This is really going to be annoying. And the door opens and it is Bill Murray. Uh, when I tell that story on stage, I say everyone's favorite Ghostbuster, and then I call them racist if they didn't think Ernie Hudson. But <laughs> When you said everyone's favorite Ghostbuster in a tweet, I assumed you meant Ernie Hudson. <laughs> well, now, now it's gotten all fucked up because... Now it's Leslie Jones. <laughs> There's a bunch of acceptable answers to that that are in a way that maybe Every they Ghostbuster weren't. is the best Ghostbuster. Uh, not Except Harold Ramis' Ghostbuster. <laughs> R.I.P. Wow, and it was Bill Murray. So it was like, I was like super nervous because I'm already a nervous person. I'm bad under pressure. I'm bad when it's like my fault. I was like freaking out. And then I was like, oh God, this is a man who famously loves greatly imbalanced power dynamics and he's already a celebrity and I'm, I've just hit his car. So he was like clearly fucking with me the whole time. You know, I did the one dig I got, not even dig, the one halfway funny thing I got to say was he asked me what I did and I was like, you know, I work for whoever I worked for at the time and I managed to hold it together enough to be like, so what do you do, man? <laughs> uh, and he said, I'm an actor. <laughs> Which was great. I'm myself professionally. Yeah, this is this. This is what I do professionally. Uh, and the end to this story is that we're kind of like we ascertain that there isn't actually damage to his car. He takes my information just as case, just in case. Obviously, I do not get his information. And then he reaches out his hand to shake my hand and he slaps a $20 bill in my palm and is like, welcome to Los Angeles, kid. Good luck. And breaks out. Wow. <laughs> That is a good story. <laughs> it is It is super insane. It, it was just like one of those things where I was like, why did he do that? And then when I tell it on stage now, I'm like, 
well, this is why he did yeah. that. <laughs> I wonder now, if he feels pressure to like do something magical to everyone he encounters. Oh, I imagine, right? Like, yeah, because because so many people who encounter him have a story of like, and then Bill Murray appeared and like said some weird thing to me that I'll never forget. Yeah, right. Like the hands over the eyes story. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that. You've heard this one, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like the, where he, for people who haven't, he walked up behind somebody. Allegedly, there's this is maybe apocryphal. Put his hands over their eyes and they turn around and it's Bill Murray and he's standing there and he says, uh, go ahead and tell people no one will ever believe you, which is great. And then that's, that's gotten around. And, the, you know, everybody who has had one of those encounters, it's like people who've met Bob Dylan, like they've, there's no normal Bob Dylan story, right? Like there's nothing that's he's always like wearing a Unabomber hoodie or something like that. It's <laughs> always strange in some way. I wonder if they're ever just like, uh, not today. I don't feel like being amazing. Today. Oh, I think even better. I hope. Bill Murray has like a secret team of writers that's just coming up with little bits for him <laughs> to do. He's like, listen, I'm going to go get dinner. You know, I'm going to, it might be by the water. I don't know. Just, just I need like five to 10 on my desk before <laughs> I leave. Some ocean stuff. He's yeah. just in a group text with all the Murray brothers. <laughs> oh dude, you got to do this. Yeah. I, I pitched on a couple Bill Murray pranks and you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Mukta Mohan, Michael Catano, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network. Subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts wherever you find your favorite shows. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MTV Podcasts.